Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Pursuing your future doesn't end at 40. In fact, it may mark the beginning of knowing who you are, what you're capable of, and what you really want. But knowing what's next and how to get there can be a challenge, especially when old narratives play on repeat. Liberty Road is here to share stories so that you can consider your possibilities, pursue your purpose, and move into your future with intention. I'm your host, Netta Jones, and we're here to listen, learn, and liberate dreams one episode at a time. Well, hello, Liberty listeners. Welcome to another episode of Liberty Road. Today, you guys get to hear from Lindsay Pinchuk. You might know her as the host of Dear Founder, the podcast. She is one of these multi-passionate uh, entrepreneurs that is an expert in really so many things and wears so many hats. You're going to hear it for yourself right now. Lindsay, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about what you do as a marketing consultant. We'll start there. So as a marketing consultant, I largely work with female founders. However, I do have a couple of male founders who have recently tapped me for my expertise. But as a marketing consultant, I mainly work with brands, both big and small, on organic marketing strategies that are community-centric. So my background is I built a community of parents that became a business, a big company, and I sold it over the course of eight years. And so all of the strategies that I used to do that, it was social media, my website, email, events, publicity, all of those things really built and grew my own company. And those are the things that I work on with my clients. So it's not the the paid SEO or I don't do that kind of stuff. It's the organic marketing and it's building a community surrounding your brand. That's really what I do for brands. So you're literally leaning into your history and pulling what worked for you. You understand the pain points of those brands because you've been there yourself and you're offering 
that information to them. And of course, I'm sure you're staying in in touch with all the things that are ever changing in social media and marketing in general. So you're bringing both the expertise and and the the wisdom of having been there, done that. Exactly. Now let's go back to you building that community. That came, as I understand it, on the heels of having worked for Hearst Magazine, having been in that publishing world, and then having your first child. And that's what launched this this next part of your career. Yes, that is true. But the interesting thing is, is that I, so I was working for the Hearst Corporation and I loved my job. I, I honestly, like I loved my job. I thought I was going to be there forever and ever. Yeah. And when I got pregnant, I realized that I didn't have pregnant friends and I didn't have anyone that was going through this. Now, what ended up happening was I needed to find community. I needed to find support. And I started hosting events. And that's really what launched Bump Club and Beyond, which was my first company. Throughout my pregnancy, so I would say nine months, I was working at Hearst. I was hosting events like on the weekends and sometimes at night. And then I had my daughter when I'm maternity leave. A lot of people go on maternity leave, and I, I don't really recommend doing what I did, to be very honest. But yeah. but it worked for me, and everyone's different. So I also had a really good baby. I always say that my company never would have been had I started it with my second child because she was not a good baby. <laughs> so my first baby slept all the time. She was great. And I really took my company to the next level while I was on maternity leave, enough so that I didn't want to go back to work when my maternity leave was up. I went back for a few weeks. I was in a situation where I had a boss who was not supportive, both of me as a mother and me as someone who had something on the side, but everyone at Hearst has something on the side, so it was kind of ridiculous. And I was like, this isn't going to work, and Mm. I left. Wow. Um, Thank you for sharing that part of the story. I think for those people who've had those experiences, it's nice to know, one, they're not alone, but two, that they have agency. There are other ways to to deal with those sorts of situations. Can you unpack a little bit for us, even though it's in your past and you've sold that company, how did those events become a business? You were doing that to create community and find people that had babies and a bump, but what was the event? What were you doing once you arrived? Yeah. So the interesting thing about what I built is that I started it in 2010. So you have to think back to what was the world like in 2010, right? We didn't have social media. I mean, Instagram didn't even exist in in 2010. There was Facebook, not business pages, LinkedIn, Twitter, but people were not on social media the way that they are now. I wanted to connect with people in person. I didn't want to connect with people on chat boards. And I thought meetup was really cheesy. So what I ended up doing was I hosted a prenatal workout. That was our first event. Literally sent an email to everyone I knew in Chicago. Hey, I'm hosting a prenatal workout with this. It was called the daily method at the time with the daily method. And anyone who's pregnant is welcome to join. There will be some gift bags and really just a great time amongst pregnant women. Word of mouth traveled, ended up having to use both studios. So it was like we had 50 people come. And then I made sure that I had an event set up before that event was over. And the next event, I reached out to a maternity store and I said, hey, I'll bring in a bunch of people, but we both have to share it because I I wanted to get in front of her audience as well. And so I hosted a night out for expectant moms. I got a bunch of brands to give prizes. We had really big gift bags. You have to remember my background's in ad sales. So, you know, I was calling up these brands like, hey, I have like 50 pregnant people. Do you want to sample to them? That's what I did 
at Good Housekeeping with like Quaker Oats, you know? So I ended up having this shopping night. 75 women came. And then people were like, what's next? What's next? It was really word of mouth. And so then I started hosting educational dinners. I started bringing in speakers. When you're pregnant, there's so much you need to know. How are you going to get the baby to sleep? How are you going to feed the baby? What do you need to register for? What about childcare? I was living in Chicago. Most women worked. And so there were all these unanswered things, especially as a first-time mom who worked full-time. And so we started hosting dinners. Then we started hosting workouts on the weekend, just like really building community with Lululemon. They were a partner of ours. And then from there... I ended up, word traveled fast, and I had a a girl in Austin and a girl in Minneapolis reach out to me, and they said, well, we'd really like to do this in our community. And so then we started doing the events in their communities too. And then we just, the events started getting bigger. We started hosting an annual event with multiple speakers and multiple sponsors. And then we ended up receiving outreach from both Target and Nordstrom in the same year to create activations and to host events with them and bring our community. And so that was really what kind of like took us from like three cities to national exposure. Mm -hmm. And we started doing activations for very big brands. And before I knew it, I mean, I don't want to say before I knew it, I'm not trying to be haphazard, right? Like, I mean, this took, this took years of hard work. You have to really be patient, but we were hosting events for expectant parents, for new moms, and then for moms with kids up to toddlers. Like we were hosting an event in Chicago every year, Um, It was like a preschool fair, like how to get your kids into school. So that's kind of like the trajectory that I took the company on prior to its sale. And we were hosting events right before the sale. We were hosting events in, I would say, 15 different markets. We had we had like a brand ambassador mom in each market that would host community events for free, like every single month. And then we would do like a big event. We called it Gearapalooza. It was sponsored ticketed once a year in those markets. But what ended up happening was all of those community events, the people who attended funneled into our email database, funneled into our social media, and we were doing bigger activations with brands online and webinars and email blasts and all these, there were all these different extensions that came from just those initial two events. Thank you for breaking that down for us. I think people listening can find the marriage of where am I in my life? What's going on in my own life that's informing what I'm looking for, what I want, where I see white space? And this is what I know. I came from this background. You talked about your time at Hearst and what you were doing. This is what I know. This is what I know how to do. These are the contacts that I have. How do I find the intersection of those two things to create what I want. Now I have to ask you, you started this because you were looking for that community. Eight years later, find yourself in this situation where you're CEOing this massive platform. Was that by design? Like at what point did you say, you know what, this is going to be my business. This is not a side hustle. This is not a side gig. I'm taking this on and I'm going to expand and scale this. So it became my business when I left my full-time job. So very early on, it became my business. But you have to remember, I was also a part of the community. So, you know, it was, there was this gray area, right? Like I would be hosting events and like I knew everyone because everyone, it was my peers that were pregnant, but it was a business first. You know, there were plenty of things that I missed over the years or, you know, events that I hosted that I couldn't be 
hanging out with my friends because I was running the business. And that was just part of the job. But after I had my second daughter, I knew that this was not a forever thing for me because I knew that I could not be the face of a company pushing strollers and car seats when my kids were in grade school and tweens. It was it would be weird. So I knew that I had to have some kind of exit or some kind of resolve you know, after my kids were too old that it it made me irrelevant. You know, I built this company off of my own experiences, off of showing up, sharing what it was like to be pregnant and have a toddler and then be pregnant again with a toddler. And that's why people gravitated towards me because I was honest. Sure. I shared and and I became the, the spokesperson for my own company, essentially. But I knew that I couldn't always do that. I knew that I could run the strategy. I knew that I could deal with the business end of it, but I knew that I couldn't be the face of it forever. That was kind of why I wanted to sell the company, like part of why I wanted to sell the company. How many years were you planning on building the company or scaling the company specifically for selling the company? I wanted to sell it by the time I was 40. I went into negotiations for the sale when I was 38 and I closed on it before I was entering my 40th birthday year. Okay. So within that eight years, it was somewhere in year six. Yeah. Six, seven. Like truthfully, it happened really fast. Oh, it did. Yeah. I was approached by three entities on LinkedIn in the same summer. It was like really wild. And I was about to like start preparing with, I had a new fractional CFO and we were going to start building a deck and shopping it around and seeing what we could do with it. And I ended up being approached by three entities. Two of them ended up not being a good fit. And then the last one I felt was, you know, I said part of it was me aging out of this role. The other part was I was just done. Like yeah. I was tired. I w- I yeah. bootstrapped the whole thing. I had never taken an investment dollar. I had 10 employees who were relying on me to get paid, you know, and I just didn't want to do it anymore. And I didn't want to close the business. You know, I felt like it wasn't just my employees that were relying on me. There were millions of people in this world who relied on Bump Club for really good information. I really pride myself on sharing really solid information, and I did not want to close it. I felt like if I closed it, that would have been a failure, and and I wanted to move it forward. And so yeah. this was the best option to do that. I'm sorry that there was no Bump Club in my world when I was having babies. We've talked about this intersection that you found. Then we talked about you really growing it and figuring out that you wanted to sell it. Now you have a decision to make about what's next. You could have easily gone into building another community for grade school kids. You knew how to do that. But instead, you decide to go the consulting route. You decide to be somebody who's going to work alongside businesses. How did you come to that decision? So it was time for me to exit. Um, for so many different reasons. I, one, the company was not mine anymore. And, you know, prior to the sale of the company, I was told that, uh, that you know, a lot and a lot of founders are told this, things aren't going to change. We want your blood. We want your ideas. And, you know, I found myself in a position where I was still running the strategy. I was still in charge of the social media but I was being censored more and more. And I was also in a position where I would be sitting at my desk and people would be adding meetings to my calendar that I had to like just sit in on. 
And I didn't want to be a part of the corporate bullshit, really and truly. Like, I was like, I'm not being maximized to my fullest potential. I'm not doing the work that I'm meant to be here to do. I didn't want to do it anymore. And I was tired. And, and, you know, I sold the company so I wouldn't have to work as hard. And it's not that I didn't want to work hard. I wanted to work smart. And I wasn't doing what I wanted to do. I was doing nonsense, to be very honest. It was time to leave. And so... You know, when we, when my husband, when I say we, when my husband and I kind of looked at where I could go and what I could do, you know, I said to him, I kind of just want to go back to working by myself. Like I want to work for myself again. I don't want to go work for a company. I don't know that I could work for another company, especially after seeing this. So I I, I said, well, why don't I just try it? And, you know, and that was kind of the same, like the same thought process when I left my first job, when I left Hearst and I went to start Bum Club full time. I said, why don't I just try it? What's the worst that happens? And so what ended up happening was with Bump Club, when I left, I became a consultant for them. There was a lot of information that they still didn't know about the company, and they really and truly needed to extract that from me in order to move forward with the brand. And so we entered a consulting arrangement for the last eight weeks that I was there. So from July 2021 till September 2021, they became my first client. It was 10 hours a week. That was the agreement. And this provided runway for me to basically send an email to all of my contacts. I'm, I was not allowed to work in baby, um, but I did send an email out saying that I am taking on clients. People were like, in what? I said, I don't know. I'm taking on clients. You know, I mean, I, I was like, I'm taking clients. <laughs> we'll figure it out. I'll help you market your companies. I have a lot of experience. What ended up happening also is before I left Bump Club, I had clients reach out to me saying, hey, can you do this project for me on social media? Or hey, can you help me build this community? And they were offering to pay me way more than the company who bought Bump Club. So I knew there was something to be said for that. So I sent out an email within the first, I don't know, month, I got three clients and all different projects. Like one had me building community, one had me doing social strategy, and one was a woman who is a Fortune 100 executive who wanted me to help her build a personal brand. And that that was it. You know, that was it. Like and and since then it's been a lot of word of mouth. I had a little bit of a slow time last like December to February, and I really spent that time networking and reaching out to people and letting them know what I do, which I think that's a really big thing because if a lot of people don't really know what you do, they just, they'll, they'll nod and say that they do. But once I started saying it, I'm like totally booked at the moment and I coach too. So like I have consulting clients, but then from a lot of what I was offering, what I was finding was there were a lot of female founders who couldn't hire me as a consultant, but really wanted my knowledge and expertise to build it on their own. So I have a do it for you service, which is my consulting and a do it with you service, which is my coaching. And I'll take on eight coaching clients a month in order to help them with whatever it is they need to do within their business. It's mostly marketing and social media. So that's kind of how I made that decision. And every single decision that I've made since I left has really been dictated by my clients and what they need including hosting a podcast. So why did you decide to add that to the mix? Well, so, okay, when I was at Bum Club, I really wanted to start a podcast, but I didn't do it because I was worried that my non-compete and my non-disclosure would preclude me from doing it. So a big part of what I loved at Bum Club was creating the content, and I did a lot of it. And I got to interview some really amazing women, like a lot of celebrities. It was really, really fun, and that's what I liked doing. 
But I also felt very alone throughout the decade that I was doing Bum Club. Like I had an amazing team. We are all still so close. I love them. They're like my family. They're my sisters. But they never really experienced what I was experiencing as a founder. And I always just felt very alone. I was an accidental founder. I didn't anticipate this happening. I didn't have a plan. And yes, by the time I left Bump Club, I had a great network surrounding me. And I have a ton of founder friends and it's awesome. But I wanted to pay it forward. And I wanted to really share the stories of female founders, the good, the bad, the ugly. And I always felt that so many founders just share the the good. And it's like, they make it out to be like, everything is rainbows and unicorns. And you know what? It fucking is not. And it is hard. And like, I want to change the conversation surrounding entrepreneurship. I want to share the truths. And that's what we do on Dear Found Her. Yeah. And so when I started the podcast, I was like, okay, I'll do one episode a week. We dropped four on the first day. I, you know, I have an amazing network of women who came forth and, and I banked like 30 episodes before I dropped my first one. And when I dropped the four episodes, like I opened my inbox the next week and I had like 25 pitches. And so I was like, I'm not going to be able to do this just once a week. So we started doing two a week. The second episode is not always an interview now, but it's been amazing. And I've also met people that I never in my wildest dreams would have, and I'm sure you feel the same way, would have been able to connect with outside of the podcast. I mean, and I not only have I met them, but I've become friends with a lot of them and they're in my contact books and like I can reach out to them and say, hey, can you help me with this? Or would you mind sharing this? Or I'm going to be in New York. Do you want to get together for lunch? And like, these are people that I never in a, my wildest dreams would have ever thought that I would have on speed dial. And it's been amazing. I think when your podcast is a conversation and it's a time to connect, that's exactly what happens. It's not surprising to me that friendships, that relationships have come out of it for you. I want to go back to something you said about kind of the truth, really, really telling people how it is and telling them like it is within entrepreneurship. I think that's so key. And you're right. When I used to focus in that area, because I come from consulting as well, I used to always say, like, if we're not telling people the truth, we're not really empowering them. Please don't begin your story with, and then we raised a million dollars. Like, how? And from whom? Did you have to struggle to get that? What's the story there? None of it is to shame any one of those, but it's to help the listener find their path. I appreciate it. I appreciate that that's part of your mission. I always shared the truth, like as a mom too. You have to remember, I became a mom before Instagram, but then kind of my second kid when Instagram was coming up. And you would look on Instagram and you'd see these women doing it all and like perfect and the aesthetic and the filters and like, that was never me. I mean, even when that was a thing on Instagram, that was never me. I always showed up and shared the truth as a mom, as someone who was pregnant, as a working mom. And, and, and so it would never occur to me to be any different with my podcast or with mm-hmm. my 2.0. When you share the truth and you share what's important, it comes back to you tenfold. The right people are magnetized back to you. That's what makes the world go round. And yeah, when you show up as some someone or something that you're not, nothing happens. Like really and truly nothing, nothing's going to happen. Well, and I think even now more than ever, like people are desperate for other people's truth. People are desperate to connect to real humans because mm-hmm. if you want the filtered version, there's tons of them out there. 
what separates you at this point is showing up as yourself. So it's a good idea to just start there. Okay, so we've talked about the podcast. We've talked about the consulting. We've talked about both the one-on-one and then the, the coaching that you're doing. And you're doing some courses. You have one for social media. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, like I said, my community has really dictated everything that I've done. So I wanted to teach a course last year on social media, and I did, and it was really successful. And then I wanted to teach a course on marketing as kind of like the second version. When I went to teach the marketing course last year, what ended up happening was all these people came forward and they were like, the course looks great, but I want you one-on-one. And so that's how my coaching came about. And so I kind of like shelved the whole course thing for a little bit. Then people started asking me at the end of 2022 and the beginning of 2023, oh, are you going to do your social media course again? I've heard it's great. And so I started like kind of just like putting feelers out into the world. Do people want this? I ended up having a conversation with Jen Sherman from Peloton about social media. And she was very forthcoming about the fact that She had never made a reel before. And I was like, Jen, what do you mean? Like, what are you doing? You have 200,000 followers on social media. How do you not know how to do this? And so I gave her a cheat sheet. I shared on social media. I said, I spoke to someone who is kind of notable today and she's never made a reel. Have you ever made a reel? And I put like a poll in my stories. Everyone came out of the woodworking like, I need help. I need help. Please help me. (laughs) And so, and I didn't say who it was, but then Jen made her first reel on not knowing how to make a reel. And my cheat sheet was like, there was a glimpse of it in it and my logo was in it. And because she had been on my podcast last year, we have a lot of overlap, like a lot of her followers follow me too. And people were like, did you teach Jen how to make a reel? Teach me. And so it kind of snowballed into this whole thing where people were asking me all these Instagram questions. So I took my class from last year, which was social media as a whole, and I dumbed it down to be Instagram for small business. And really and truly, at the end of the day, there are so many small business owners who are on Instagram. They just feel so overwhelmed. They're like, I don't know what to post. I don't know how to use all this stuff. Like, what do I do? And so I'm going to get you, you're going to have to take the class. I'm going to get you into the class, okay? (laughs) okay? And they're just like so overwhelmed. Well, I scale it back and I really like hold your hand and I say, this is where you start. This is where we Mm -hmm. go next. And by the end, you know how to use Instagram for your business and you're not a slave to it. Like you you cannot put in like 10 hours a day. I have a client who I talked to on Instagram last week who took the class last year and she was like, you might be like embarrassed when I say this. I only do three hours a week on Instagram. And she has a workshop that people pay her for. And she has started a business. She has turned a community of women who have kids leaving the nest. It's called Empty Questers into a product that people pay her for. And um, she uses Instagram three hours a week. So that's my current course. I also taught a bigger course earlier this year for founders who are a little bit further along on my marketing process. I don't know if I'm going to teach it again. We'll see. But Mm -hmm. I love to teach. And that's why I do it. I do think eventually I will put them up for self-consumption. But part of it is that I love to be present teaching. And so I I have a really hard time saying, okay, well, I'm going to put this on and like you can watch the videos because I like being present and I like sharing what's in the now. Not thinking, oh, Netta, you're going to watch what was like four months ago. Yeah. But I love teaching 
and sharing my knowledge. And honestly, I said when I left Bump Club, if I can help one person to grow their business, I've done my job. Like, I mean, and that's really and truly how I feel. Please, I want you to help more than one person. Like, I want women to to start saying, if I can help 1,000 people per month. Like, there's so much of us that need what you have to offer. So um, I'm glad the one was already satisfied, but but stay in there. Stay in there for the rest <laughs> of the game. Of all of the hats that you wear, tell me which one is your favorite. Do you have a favorite? Hosting my podcast, for sure. Okay conversations, meeting people. Yeah, I would say, you know, like I said, the podcast has introduced me to so many amazing people, which is awesome. And it's gotten me so much business. I mean, it's like, I have people reach out to me, both consulting and coaching. They're like, I heard you on this podcast with so-and-so. I need you to help me. And to me, that's, it's my number one marketing vehicle for my consulting and coaching, which is awesome. I hope one day it becomes that for my classes because I would like them to like run on autopilot, you know, but honestly, like I, I love hosting the podcast. I would say my second favorite is probably the teaching just because I like the live element of like watching it click for people and knowing that I'm sharing something that they're going to apply and used to make something happen for themselves. Do you get feedback in those courses? Is it a two-way? Is there an opportunity for them to ask questions? So right now, the course that I'm doing, I'm allowing Q&A at the end if we have time every week. But then there's an actual Q&A. So like there's a QA and a session. The sixth session is a QA and a session. And then also I have a Facebook group for the course. And so people can drop their questions in the Facebook group and I will answer them there. I'm posting videos there once a day, like little tips and tricks as well to kind of supplement the information I'm giving during the courses too. It's much more dynamic in terms of you're hearing from them. And then even as a founder, you get to iterate based on what the questions are. Like, oh, there's a lot of information that people don't have in this particular area. Let me lean over here a little bit more. Yes, that is the answer to that question. But one of the best things too about this course and all the courses that I teach is watching my students interact with each other. So like when I put them in a Facebook group, everyone's really tentative yeah. at first. Yeah. But I really push them to introduce themselves. You know, I have a couple of realtors. I'll tag them together and say, you guys should talk. Like I, I really want to facilitate community. And like last year, so many amazing things came out of my course. People were on podcasts with each other. People were hosting lives with each other. I mean, it was amazing. And also just bouncing ideas off of one another, which is so important to not feel alone in this solopreneur world. Yeah, I think it's everything. I mean, you made the point earlier about even though you had these great relationships when you were running your company with these women who you're still close to, you felt isolated and alone. And I think that's very typical of founders, perhaps female founders in particular, or maybe not. Maybe I, I won't I won't make this a gender issue. <laughs> The intention of this podcast is to get women who are in that 40 plus zone, in that middle third, as we call it, to really start to consider her possibilities. Maybe she's an empty nester, or maybe, you know, she is wanting to transition similar to yourself from something that was corporate to something entrepreneurial. Again, whether that's a a nonprofit, a for-profit, whatever. What do you want to say to that woman who is tentative about making that first step, taking that leap? You've done it twice. um, And you talked about saying to your husband, like, what's the worst thing that could happen? What do you want to say to her that is the good, the bad, and the ugly, to use your words? 
What I would want to say is, one, if you want to do something, you can do it. And you need to tell yourself that you can do it. I mean, I can share hundreds of stories here about people I've connected with, people I've had on my podcast, projects that I've taken on, that honestly, it's just been me like putting it out into the world and saying, this is what I want to do. And it ends up happening because I make it happen. So the one thing I would say is if you want to do something, you got to put it out into the world. If you don't want to put it out into the world on social media, fine, you don't have to do that. Tell your spouse, tell your best friend. That's putting it out into the world. When you verbally say something or write it down, you are memorializing it, you are committing to it. And then what I would say is I think, and I think you probably see this a lot too, is that there's a lot of overwhelm. It's like you want to do this, but maybe you've been out of the game for a long time, or maybe, you know, your life stage has changed. Maybe your kids have gone to high school. And so now you have more time, or maybe they've left to go to college. So now you have a lot more time. And so I think it's really easy to just be like, oh, it's like too much. And like, what do I need to do that for? So I'm not going to do it. No, if there's something you want to do, you absolutely can do it. So what I would say is write it down and then make a list of everything, even the little things like send an email to so-and-so, find someone to make a website, like whatever it is, or a landing page, whatever it is, make a list of all the things that you need to do to get to that goal and do one thing a day. Mm. One thing a day. I think it's really hard when you are just looking at that end goal and it feels like a lot and it feels very overwhelming. But when you break it down and you make a list and you can cross those things off and just do one a day. One thing a day might be like going to Walgreens to get office supplies. I mean, that might be your one thing in the day. That's okay. You're moving your business forward. If you could do one thing to get to that goal a day, that's what I would say to do. Yeah. It's enough of like being like, oh, like, woe is me. I, I've been out of the game or social media. Mm, like, enough. You know what I mean? Like we are all able-bodied, capable people, capable people. Like you are enough. If you want to do something, just fucking do it. Like really and truly. Like we're all capable of doing it. I like your spin on the Nike motto. That's actually, you know what? And I said that Jen Sherman says that all the time and I'm like stealing it from That's her. Her hilarious. whole thing is JFDI. It's funny because even before I met her, I said that all the time also. But actually, you know, something I want to say about this is it doesn't happen overnight. And mm-hmm. I think that that's really important to point mm-hmm. out too. I had a client text me yesterday, one of my first coaching clients. So I ended with her probably about nine months ago. And she texted me yesterday and she said, how are you? Like, let's, let's go for a walk soon. And she was like, I want you to know I'm so busy. And she is in the marketing world too. And I said, that's amazing. I said, it's because of why, Amy? And she was like, I know you told me it was going to happen. She was like, I just didn't believe you. And really what it was is her putting herself out there, sharing her offer, telling people what it is that she does and how she can help them. How do I solve this problem? Did it happen overnight? No, it probably took her a good four to six months before she started getting a steady stream of clients. Now she has so many clients and she's like, and I have so many proposals out. It takes time. But it will happen if you want it to happen. Yeah. I also like this idea, even when you were talking about the Walgreens thing, of every time you do one thing, you convince yourself that you're the person for the job. You convince yourself that this dream is worth playing out. And if you don't do it, you don't do it. 
right? Right. You don't. And there's no one else to blame. Also, as we are living healthily longer, I think we need to be really careful about thinking of this 40s, 50s, 60s as some sort of end of a road, hence the name Liberty Road. It's really, I think, this extraordinary time to pause, rethink, reassess, and relaunch whatever we want. And speaking of that, you have a method that you call SWEEP. I want you to kind of break down the acronym for us. This is funny because when I built Bump Club, I didn't realize what I was building. Do you know what I mean? I was doing it. I was growing it. I was scaling it. And it really wasn't until I left and I started working with other clients that I took a look at what I built and how. And I said, well, this is actually how I did it. And oh my God, I did it with no marketing budget. I I had no marketing budget. I, I never paid for advertising. We never bought any followers. That was never something we did. But what I did do is I built a community. So what Sweep is, is it stands for social media, your website, emails, events, and publicity, and then kind of partnerships too, but partnerships feather into the whole acronym. And it's making sure that all of those elements are working in tandem so that you can build a community surrounding your brand. Because your community is your number one asset, hands down. Mm -hmm. When you have a community and it's a two-way street, which is what a community is, they will be your top customers. And so it's using all of these principles to really build a community to build a bridge towards transaction of your product or your service or whatever it is that you're Mm -hmm. selling. I showed up as an expectant mom, just started sharing my shit. And when I started selling tickets to my dinners, people started buying them because I I was building community. Very similar to what I'm doing with Dear Found Her, very similar to what I'm doing with my classes and my services. I show up and share what it's like to be an entrepreneur. I share how I built my companies. I will share anything you want me to share. I'll tell you what I did. I'm an open book. But Sweep is how I did it. And it's how you can build a brand without having a marketing budget. And people, you know, I think are are skeptical at first, like, oh, like you need to run all these ads and you need to, first of all, your ads aren't going to work if you don't have organic marketing. If you don't have something to click through that shows that you are trusted, that you have authority, that you're legit, your ads mean nothing. So you really have to focus on the organic and the evergreen and building that community surrounding your brand before you even run ads to begin with. I talk about these principles of using community and using community to to market your company. And really and truly, that's that's what it is. It's showing up as yourself, building the community around you and reaching them at every touch point. Thank you for sharing that. It's helpful for us to get to know you a little bit more, especially as we're thinking about potentially engaging with your course. But I also think it's a way for people to think about how they can utilize your SWEEP acronym to grow whatever they need to grow. I liked your point about even if you pay for advertising, if there's not organic uh, growth relationship context, right, telling them what you do, it's meaningless. They're landing nowhere. Give us maybe three sort of how to grow your Instagram tips. Yes, I would say so three meaningful Instagram growth tactics. I have a bunch, but number one would be be consistent. Okay, you have to be consistent. Whether your consistency is three times a week posting or 20 times a week, whatever it is, 
you have to show up consistently so that people expect that you're going to be there. You can't just like show up balls to the wall for like three weeks, 10 times a week and then disappear and expect that something's going to happen. Just be consistent. Number two, share your story and share your story often. This Mm. is the number one thing I have my students share. I have them write out their story, things that you can't Google about yourself, things that People want to like look behind the curtain and see how do you do it? You know, who are you? What do you do? Why? Your why is so important. How do you do it? And share it often, once a month. Once a month, I do an introduction post. This is who I am. And usually I'll change it up um, and I'll share new things. But your story is the foundation of your whole content strategy on Instagram. And it's actually the connection that you have to your community. It's bringing the humanity into the mix. People want to buy from people. They don't want to buy from a logo. So it's really important that you show who you are and that you show your face and that you share your story. And then last, I would say, engage on social media. You have to be social on social media. It is so rude. Just like if you were to walk past someone in the grocery store that you know and not say hi, it's so rude if someone takes the time to comment or DM you or like something to not respond back. When you are social on social media, Instagram sees it and they start showing your stuff to more people. So one, it gives you cred amongst your community if you're actually going to be there and engage with them. And two, your stuff will end up being shown to more people. So it's a win-win. But if you are going to be on social media, you got to be social. Let me ask you a question. We don't need to workshop my issues um, on this podcast, but Liberty Road is the brand. I'm the founder, right? How do I show up? Because I'm also in the demographic, right? So you're very familiar with this. How do I show up, but not necessarily have the brand be about me? You show up as the host. You show up as the host and you show up and share the things that are relevant to the community who's following you. So for example, I have two accounts, Lindsay Pinchuk and Dear Found Her. On Lindsay Pinchuk, I share a lot. I share a lot about my family, about my kids, about my past experiences in corporate, in bump club. You know, there's a lot more me on the Lindsay Pinchuk brand. But on Dear Found Her, I show up in our stories as the host. I talk about the episodes. I talk about really great lessons. I don't share as much about kind of me and my life, but I'll tag myself mm-hmm. or I'll collaborate on the posts. Like if there's a post that can be relevant for both, I'll do a collaboration so that they show up in both feed. But like I wouldn't share necessarily unless I'm introducing myself as the host on Dear Founder. I don't know that I would share like a picture of me and my kids like on Dear Founder talk it like in certain circumstances, maybe, but I do keep it very separate, but I am the host of the podcast and I am the host because I was an entrepreneur. So like I talk all about that kind of stuff. So I'd still think it's important for you to share about pro-aging and share about what it is your mission is on Liberty Road, right. but you don't necessarily have to kind of pull back the curtain to like share your whole life. That's a really good tip. Thank you for that. I want to take advantage of our last five minutes here. And I have so many questions that I could ask, but I I have to ask this question about expiration date for launching something. Many women in our demographic are wondering, have I let the time pass? Is it too late? Do you think in your estimation, there is an expiration date on starting something later in life? No, no, I don't. And, And I will say that, 
since moving on from Bump Club, one of my biggest realizations is that there are so many women who are later in life who want to start things and it is never too late. I'm working with women of all ages. I just had someone yesterday hire me who's in her late 60s and she is like such a powerhouse. I'm so excited to work with her and she just needs a little help like with some strategy and scaling. Meanwhile, she's bringing 60 plus years of experience to the table. Yes, but it is never too late and I don't want anyone ever to think that it is. You've liberated a lot of people in your process and in what you do. How has launching your podcast and your whole platform liberated you? You know, it's really let me reclaim my life, to be very honest. You know, like I said at the beginning of this, when I sold my company, I kind of felt like I became like a slave, like really and truly to corporate America again. And prior to that, you know, I feel like it's not a bad thing because it was my company, but you know, my life as a mom was kind of like on display Mm. for everyone and my kids too. And now, you know, I'm kind of back to being a little anonymous and I have reclaimed myself in terms of my time, my flexibility. I make my own decisions again. And to me, that's what this is all about. Thank you, Lindsay. Thank you for liberating us through this conversation. It's been great to chat with you. We will get you on again because there's so much more information. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Liberty listeners, thanks for hanging out with Lindsay and with me, and we will talk to you guys next week. Bye for now. Liberty Road is broadcast on all platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and more. If you like what you've heard, Please follow, rate, and review Liberty Road on Apple Podcast and Spotify. It helps us to know if these episodes are inspiring and equipping your ventures. Liberty Road is produced by Netta Jones and Elizabeth Joy Windham and music by Jordan Flower. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.